everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You're listening to It's All About Food. Thanks for joining me today. It's hot. It's hot here in New York City. It's hot in many, many places right now. We're, we've got a heat wave. Heat wave. Something to sing about. We know how we got here, right? Yeah. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this climate catastrophe, this climate crisis that we're going through after my interview with today's guest. I recorded this interview a couple of weeks ago when I was in California and the heat wave hadn't happened yet. So I'm going to be talking to my guest about soup. And soup may not be on your mind right now in this hot, hot weather, but I want to tell you that soup can be served hot or cold. Now, there are some fancy soups like Vichyssoise. If we give it a French name and serve it cold, everyone is impressed. (laughs) Or gazpacho. There are many, many wonderful gazpacho recipes that can be served cold. And I think any soup can be served cold. In fact, most cooked stews and soups and even stir fries can be served cold. Come on, how many people have gone to a Chinese restaurant and brought home leftovers and ate them cold the next day? They were good, right? We like food that's cold, cold pizza, Pasta can be great cold, not just pasta salad, but even just a pasta and marinara sauce can be served cold. Yeah, so while we're going through this heat wave, eating hot food may not be especially appealing. So eat things cold. (laughs) I know I haven't been feeling like cooking very much in this hot weather, but I have done a little bit where I'll make a stir fry and I'll make a lot of it. And then I have it for the next few days where I can eat it cold. I've also enjoyed making my grains in my Instant Pot. My Instant Pot that I finally brought home to New York. And I'm not using it very much. But what I like about it is, especially in a heat wave, is it doesn't generate a lot of heat. And if I use the natural release then it takes time to come back to pressure. You don't really notice it in the atmosphere. So I'll make my grains and my beans in the Instant Pot. It doesn't get too hot. And then I can mix it up with some other chopped veggies and things don't get too hot. And cooking doesn't seem to be as challenging in this hot weather. Now, some people may not mind this heat wave, especially with the invention of air conditioning. And I have used air conditioners. We have a couple of air conditioners in our one-bedroom apartment, and they work very well. I have not turned them on this summer. Am I I a masochist? (laughs) I found that last week here in New York City, even though we were in 90 degree plus weather, 95, 96, it wasn't very humid. And I didn't find the heat unbearable. It's that dry heat, you know, that dry heat they have in California so often. It's, it's more tolerable. 
just the last couple of days, it's gotten more humid and more uncomfortable. And what am I doing? I'm jumping in the bathtub like three or four times a day to cool off, keep my hair wet, and that keeps me cool. Why am I not using the air conditioning? I know if it's really, really unbearable and I can't think, I will turn it on. I, I'm not that nuts. But here's the thing about air conditioners. Air conditioners make your home cooler. They make your office cooler. Okay, we know that. Air conditioners use a compressor, a condenser, and an evaporator. And what happens? The air conditioners draw heat from the house and they move it outdoors. And then they take the air inside the home and then they replace the air inside the home with cooler air. So it's an interesting, a genius process. Warm air from inside the house is circulated across an evaporator and then the refrigerant absorbs the heat from the air and then the refrigerant transforms from cold liquid to hot vapor and allows the warm air to become cooler. The refrigerant vapor moves to the compressor within the home's unit and the compressor compresses the refrigerant vapor, increasing pressure and temperature. The refrigerant then moves to the condenser where it is condensed back to a liquid, allowing the heat to release, exiting from the unit through the fins. Cooled liquid refrigerant then cycles back into the house where the expansion device regulates its flow back into the evaporator to repeat the cooling process. Okay, if you follow that or not, the bottom line is the air in the house becomes cooler and then the heat is expelled outdoors. So here we are in record hot temperatures. Everyone is turning on their AC and we're just making everything hotter. Does that make sense? Well, it doesn't make sense to me. And especially when I hear on the news that in my borough of Queens, it's recommended that we don't stress the electrical grid. We shouldn't be using our power too much. And what does that mean? That means don't use the AC. But for some people, it's really important. I understand that. And sometimes the heat is so intolerable. Your brain can't think because your brain isn't working well because we're not meant to live in such hot temperatures. I get that. But it's, it's a paradox. So I am trying not to use the air conditioner while I can, save a few BTUs, and that's where I've been. Then that's what I've been doing last week. It looks like it's going to continue to be hot for another week. We'll see how well I do. How are you doing in this crazy hot weather? Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about how to stay cool a little later in the program. But right now, I want to bring on my guest for today and talk about soup. We have an action figure on the program, one of those superheroes, you know, all of those people with special powers that we that are so popular in the movies today. Well, we have a real one on the program today, and we have 
Sarah Poland. We have Sarah Poland, Supergirl. And Sarah comes from a superhero family because not only is Sarah Supergirl, but her mother is super mom. And I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that. Sarah Poland is an entrepreneur who is on a mission to upend our broken food system, starting with soup. As the co-founder and CEO of Supergirl, she has led the company from its humble beginnings as a local soup delivery business to a multi-million dollar national food company. Sarah, via Supergirl, is trying to redefine the notion of quality as it pertains to food. She is eager to start and engage with consumers regarding the story of food from the farm to their plate. Just to be clear before I bring Sarah on, I want to spell super, that's S-O-U-P-E-R. Get it? Super girl. Welcome, Sarah, to It's All About Food. Thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate you having me. So I was looking over at your website and I was relating to your story. So I want to hear about your story, but I just want you to know I know I can relate, and I'm sure many other people can. There are definitely some, some cultural influences in your story that I enjoyed and related to. Why don't you just let us know who you are and how this thing with soup got started? Sure. Gosh, you know, it's been almost 15 years. So it, 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 when you say my story, it's changed so many times. <laughs> uh, but I'll give the, the short of the long. Um, in 2008, I dragged my mom out of retirement. Uh, we mm -hmm. wanted to start a business that had a positive impact on the world. We believed that, you know, and we still do, that you can make positive impact, you can make change through food. It is, you know, I think we don't agree on anything right now, but we can all agree that we need to eat food. <laughs> so, um, and I think the power of our food choices are as we learn more and more about nutrition, exercise, science, farming, agriculture, the impact of our choices are profound on ourselves, on the other, on the planet. You know, it, it's, it's extraordinary how important those food choices are. So back in 2008, we rented kitchen space at a now defunct Spanish restaurant, delivering to people's homes and offices, kind of way ahead of the curve, not realizing that, um, you know, had a website and then set up home delivery. We opened up some retail stores, uh, entered farmer's markets, catering, just, you know, just growing in response to the demand. All of the soups that we made make are vegan. They are my mother's recipes. So no weird ingredients there, you know, reduced salt, bursting in plant-based protein and fiber. And we just kept expanding the menu, expanding the offerings. Um, and then we entered Whole Foods, Costco, you know, supermarkets like that. And then the pandemic hit and everything <laughs> changed. <laughs> and we, we had to pivot completely. So in 2022, we do not, we no longer have storefronts. We lost some of our biggest customers, but we're a very focused company now. It's, it was very rough, but it forced us to focus. And now we have our supermarket business, which we're really diving deep into. And we have our direct-to-consumer business. So you can go to our website, 
and order our delicious products delivered right to your door, not nationwide, uh, up and down the East Coast through a bit of the Midwest. And um, we've only dug deeper into our values. We've only gone even more into making the world better through food. Well, I totally support that. That's part of my mission. I sometimes say, actually, I said it to like about 250 cattle producers at an event because I knew as a vegan, I had to find some common ground. But I said to them, we all want clean air to breathe. We all want clean water to drink. And we all want good, abundant, nutritious food for ourselves and our family. We all want those things. And that's how we start on a common path to move forward. And so you, you opened with that. And I, I just wanted to add to it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> add a little flavoring to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned on your website, which I read, that you weren't much of a cook and your mom had to come in and save the day as super mom. So what happened there and why did you make soup? It, it wasn't so much that I wasn't such a great cook. It was more that everything I know in the kitchen, I know from her. So I was very fortunate. Okay. She, she didn't, no one, my, my, my Bubby, may she rest in peace, was not a great cook. And so wow. my mom, no one, no one taught her. And she kind of taught herself in the kitchen. Just, she just trial and error. And to, to this day, even though now I love cooking, it's just, we can make the same thing. And hers is just much better than mine, whatever. <laughs> she's just, she's got the love. She's got the love. Something special about her touch. But um, what, what, what happened really was that I was going to start this with a, a partner, a business partner who backed out all was well, was just at her wedding, but she just, she had a child at the time, another one on the way, and it just wasn't going to work. My mom, you know, not realizing what she was getting into, said, I'll help. And soup, it's, I, I, soup, I don't know what other people eat because it is literally the perfect food. You know, like I said, great way to get protein, fiber, vegetables, hydration, nutrition, um, and it's also a great way to showcase produce all, you know, 365 days a year, you can cook with sweet potatoes and potatoes and butternut squash all winter long. And in the summer, tomatoes, zucchini, eggplant, green beans, it's just so much fun and it's forgiving and you can play with it and you can tinker with recipes. It's just, I, I don't know how to bake to this day. I don't know how to bake. I one time. I made some blondies a couple of years ago and my boyfriend told me they tasted like the death of dessert. Uh, so <laughs> and he was right. I don't understand baking because I like to look at recipes if I even pull out a recipe and say like, now I'm going to do it differently. Can't do that with baking because it literally like is a chemical process and it won't. Yeah, rise. you can't do that with baking. And it's really fun. And, and I, I just... Uh, when I lived in New York, so before Supergirl, I was a stand-up comedian living in Manhattan. And my folks used to visit, both me and my brother lived there at the time. And they used to, my mom would cook soups and, and freeze them in, in freezer bags. And she would come up 
every you know two months or something and like fill the freezer with soup and I that's what that's so I've been eating this for years I don't know how people eat <laughs> so, so I think that soup is also your mother's like you're not eating enough right Here's soup how to feed you exactly that is it's <laughs> it's almost exactly and I also think that soup is a very unique food because it's like um it's like a memory. It is like a hug from your mom. You know, people have memories of coming in from the snow if they're you know so fortunate to have a home and whatnot. Coming in from the snow and maybe their parents would have or mom would have you know a bowl of tomato soup, grilled cheese or something like that. So soup evokes memory. It's very comforting, and I think it is it is the perfect food. I like that you're mentioning that food is memory. I think a lot of us know that. I think also that that can complicate things for people that want to move to a healthier place because they have so yeah. many memories attached to so many different kinds of food. And that's where a lot of us vegans like to, I'm air quoting here, veganize things so we can mm -hmm. have the healthy, cruelty-free, kind to the environment kind of food, but have our memories and our comfort too. Sure. And I just want to take a moment here. I hope I don't get ch choked up, but I just got news that um, a woman I was very close to, I called her my second mom. She just passed this morning. Oh, and gosh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, it happens. I was thinking this morning of the food that she would make us from time to time. So that was one of the, the, the things that popped into my mind when I got the news was the memory of the food. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to talk about you being a comedian and I don't want to broad stroke comedians, but a lot of people who tell jokes uh, have a deeper foundation. I think at least the good ones and want to make a positive difference in the world. Uh, so many of the great comedians are better dramatic actors because they, they feel, they feel so much. So, I'm not surprised that you said you were a comedian, but you also have this, this passion to do good in the world. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. People used to say comedy is like the poor man's therapy. It, it's Definitely. people who yeah. are just sharing all of the intimate things, just working through it, feeling all the feels, you know, and, out there on the stage. But it also helps not only the person who's doing it, but for all of us who need that relief. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's so much we're holding inside. Yep. And it's so much easier to get through something by laughing through it. <sighs> <laughs> I do think I do think that laughter does. It's not just a cliche. It's the best medicine. In a little bit of time. I want to. I want to praise soup. So I'm a big soup lover. And uh, I cook a lot and we make a lot of soup all year long, hot soup, warm soup, cold soup, all kinds of soup. And my partner, Gary and I, we talk a lot about bowls and we like food in big bowls. <laughs> so it could be soup. It also could be this new trending thing of the salad and the bowls with like everything on it. But there's something really nice about eating in a bowl and soup comes in a bowl yeah but soup doesn't always for everyone have a good memory or a good connotation i i was thinking of one person in particular she just emailed me this morning and 
when we were thinking about making dinner for her and her husband some years back, she told us she didn't like soup <laughs> because she grew up in a big family. And I guess when money is tight, soup can be connected to poor families. Mm -hmm. And soup can help you stretch things. You just add more water. And she just had this, it's another memory, but not a good one. Sure. And my goal is to get her to like soup. <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's such a broad category. I almost hate, like, you know, I can show you our soul warming chili. And then I can show you, you know, our chilled watermelon gazpacho. Technically, both soups, like, mm -hmm. couldn't be more different. So if when someone says, I don't like soup, it's like, it, it's like saying, I don't like the color blue. It's like, well, there's so many different shades. Like, really, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy yeah, it. Yeah, just call it something different. Yeah. And yeah. voila. Very good. I like the idea of reframing something or renaming it. I'm doing that all the time. Let's talk about therapy for a minute. So when people are explaining a situation and they use the negative term, I like to say, let's, let's not call it, what's a good word? Like, let's not call it a um, transgression. Let's just call it a choice or an action and reframe it a little so that you're not always you know, putting yourself down. So the words matter, especially mm -hmm. with soup. You could use uh, some French words. <laughs> Consomme. <laughs> well, like a chili and a stew is very different than a bisque or something, you know, or a gazpacho. Yeah. A bisque. Yeah. Oh, I love bisque. Any creamy soup is so good. Mm. Now your mom, is she vegan? Oh, and are you vegan or are you just making vegan soups? I am vegan. Yeah. Uh, for about uh what year is this yeah it'll be 10 years this this thanksgiving um uh, and she uh is vegetarian mm -hmm. right uh and they used to be we all used to be big meat eaters and then i was the first sure. one to go vegetarian and then she followed and then she is very plant forward she was is mostly vegan but she she's still stuck in her ways and a few things and you know what she's in her late 70s so healthy takes such i'm i'm you know we're cool we're cool and she always she's it's mostly vegan in the house awesome that's great i support that when we're talking about superheroes there are actually some superheroes who have followed a vegan diet some of them are stuck with it and some of them have stepped away from it all superheroes i think have a responsibility to do good in the world. And part of that is with what they eat, but they all haven't gotten that message yet. And I also like to say that chefs in general should include in their list of parameters of what they want to offer people. It should be included that the food is nurturing, that the food is gentle on the planet, that the food hasn't harmed anything, right? We have a long way to go with that, but you, you are part of that movement moving forward, showing us that soup can be made with a lot of thought. Mm -hmm. 
not just with the ingredients. So can you talk about the sourcing of your ingredients and what you're doing outside of just the soup itself? Yeah, with your you company? Know, sure, absolutely, thank you. So, you know, we've always talked about from our founding, wanting to know the story of our food and really talk about the story of our food and understanding that it doesn't just appear on the shelf. It doesn't just, you know, appear on your plate. A lot of people touch it a lot. There's just so much involved um, in getting it to your door, to your plate, you know, to your supermarket. And we had focused a lot on growing techniques on local and um, sustainability. But in 2020, during COVID, we really started diving deep into um, deep into the humanity behind the food, the people at the very beginning who are picking. And we, we learned that, that unfortunately, that story, that part of the story is pretty horrible. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, it's, it's not only, you know, frustrating, it's, it's very bad in many cases. Um, and so we got involved with the Fair Food Program. Fair Food Program is a group founded by the Coalition of Immokalee Workers. And they, what they did was they set standards for farms that participate in the program, standards that you would think would be the norm, access to sanitation, access to bathrooms, access to shade and water, and recourse you know, freedom from sexual assault and violence and stolen wages. And if there are violations, recourse someone who will answer the phone and help them if there's a violation. And unfortunately, on many, many industrial farms, these farm workers are left completely without recourse, vulnerable to the whims of whoever is their boss. And so the Fair Food Program has been, it's been groundbreaking because it's, it, these standards were established by the farm workers. They are enforced by them. There's a 24-hour hotline. Um, and they've, in, they, they've worked to get big retailers to participate. And we are the first consumer packaged good brand to get this certification. We're the first ones. It is not fair trade. It is not... Thank you. It, it took about a year. Uh, it, it was a long process and we're working to expand it. Um, but it means right now the, the primary source of produce that, that um, is certified is tomatoes. So 90% of the tomato farms in Florida are now under this certification. Those workers are protected. But that leaves 10% of farms of, of tomato farms in Florida that aren't certified and the rest of the country. 1.2 mm -hmm. million farm workers work in this country and over only 100,000 or so are working on these types of farms. So we have a lot of work to do and we're pretty excited about the opportunity to get the attention of bigger companies to join and help grow the program. But I think right now our mission is to just get people to understand the true story of their food, not just how it impacts their own bodies, because we, we hear about that a lot, organic and all of these things, but we don't talk enough about the journey of the food starting at the grower level. We do not talk about the truckers that are you know set up for failure in our system. We don't talk enough about the people that are involved. There's so many people and we're, we're leaving too many of them vulnerable. 
I remember first hearing about the Immokalee farm workers and the story about tomato farming when I read Barry Estabrook's book, Tomato Land, and had him on the program. I have to breathe a minute because it's just amazing all the horrible things we can do to people. It, it is, you know, my, my cousin mm -hmm. is, a, she runs an outpatient therapy program in Baltimore. And she says she never stops being shocked at the capacity for cruelty that humans have for each other. Mm -hmm. It's really shocking. The stories I have learned, um, it's really shocking. It's shocking and we ignorantly support a lot exactly. of it. Exactly. And so much of what we purchase as consumers is sanitized. And, and I think a lot of people want to keep it that way because we don't want to know. It's so much easier when we don't know because Ignorance then we don't feel bliss. guilty. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are many shades of vegan. And so some people, just care about vegan for health reasons and some people care about the cruelty to animals and then incorporate exploit exploitation against everything uh, i kind of like to incorporate all of that in in my understanding of the vegan philosophy and that is against exploitation period and that means exploitation of humans of other living species of the entire planet but that requires a lot of work and none of us are perfect. And there's that giant convenience factor that is <laughs> so challenging for all of us. But we're moving forward and we're doing the best we can. And many of us can do it with soup. I think so. I don't know if we're doing the best we can. I think we can all do better. I think that, okay, you know, we can we all, all do need, better. Yeah, we, we need to strive to do better. We, yeah. Do you have any good soup jokes? <laughs> I mean, the best one was done. At, it's uh, it's at the end of Coming to America. Uh, this is Eddie Murphy. But there's a classic joke where an old guy is sitting at a, at a diner and he says, waiter, there's something wrong with my soup. I want you to try my soup. Waiter says, what's wrong with the soup? Tell me what's wrong with the soup. The gentleman says, no, I want you to try the soup. There's something wrong with the soup. Waiter says, please, I can't eat your soup. What's going on? And the gentleman says, I insist you try my soup. And the waiter <laughs> says, fine, where's your spoon? And the gentleman says, aha. <laughs> That's the best soup joke. That's the best one. Right. You can't top it. You can't top that one. Don't even try. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Yes, I love that one. Okay, I just thought you might have a bunch of funny soup jokes considering your background. I mean, the, you know, and also everyone likes to say no soup for you with the Seinfeld soup Nazi. But mm -hmm. it's, it's been played out a little bit. Yes, and there's a fly in my soup. Mm. There's a bunch of them that we've all heard. Hmm. Okay, so where are you making your soup now? Uh, we are in, have a production facility in Washington, D.C. And uh, we, as I mentioned, we ship it to consumers all over the East Coast. Uh, Florida, Boston, Laden, DC, Maryland, Virginia, New York, 
And then you can also, we distribute to supermarkets such as Whole Foods and Costco and Kroger and Harris Teeter um, and, and Giant Delivers, places like that. Um, and so we're really trying to just really grow our distribution so we can grow our influence with the farmers so we can grow and, and dive deeper and deeper into our sourcing because we're just a tiny company. And so if we can partner up with bigger brands, grow our volume, we can really make change. We can really kind of demand better from our sourcing partners. And that's why we need, we need to get the story out there. So what you're doing is hard. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, you should distribute that. You should make that. It's so good. But there's so much involved. And plus you're adding levels of complexity because you don't just want to package any crap in a container. You want it to be nutritious and you want it to be kind to animals and good for the environment and make a positive difference in the business in general, which is all beautiful, but makes things more complicated. And you're probably not where you want to be yet. You're still growing and learning. But so far, is there anything you would do differently if you were talking to people who oh. wanted to get their foot wet in this business? Or, or maybe let's reframe it and things that you thought of that worked or things you've learned, just yeah, wise you know, that's a It's a good question. Um, I don't believe in regre regret. Right, it gets you nowhere, but I do believe you have to learn from your mistakes. So would I do things differently? I have no idea because this is what I've done and this is where I'm at. I would say, you know, um, never hire friends. <laughs> that is a lesson that is Well, I mean, somebody, some people would say never hire relatives and they sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Correct, yep. Yep. And I, I, and yes, that's true too. We've been very fortunate, but I would say then, you know, do not hire friends. Um, cause that's just impossible to navigate. Uh, and you know, you just have to think carefully. If you have a passion, we hear a lot. It, it's particularly here in America. It's this very, we have this entrepreneurial spirit, you know, the American dream, follow your dream, follow your passion. Not everybody has that good fortune. Right. And I know several, there's this, you know, very insular, close food commun community here in DC. And some of these people have destroyed their passions by following it. And then it becomes brutal. You know, mm. you, you grow to hate soup. I still am very fortunate. I love soup. You know, I still eat our product <laughs> every day. If I run out, I don't know what to eat. But there are some people who are bakers or cake pop makers, and they just they hate the product. They hate what it's done to them, you know. And so, really, really take a hard look at your passion and decide: it do you want to monetize it, or do you just want it to be something you love doing on the weekends? If you love making cake pops, maybe you make them for friends for birthdays, and that's it. Just. Just, you know, especially when you enter the food business, nothing can prepare you for how, how much work it will be. Nothing can prepare you for how much work it will be. And I think this goes for any small business. I just only know food. <laughs> right. 
I want to say it's the same for having children, having children or having a food business. <laughs> yes. No, this is my child. This is, this is my child. And, and I, I think that that's, yep. True. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's important to have a good name. And I think Supergirl is a great name. I'm thinking of another family duo that's been very successful, Chad and Derek Sarno, who have the company Wicked Healthy. Mm -hmm. And they've been growing their food business uh, a while now. They make a lot of um, vegan fish. They have ice cream now and a bunch of products out there, sauces and things. Yeah. But they're brothers and they seem to be getting along. So that's good. <laughs> Sometimes it works. It's just, it can also, you know, I have distant family members who don't speak to their brothers or sisters because of business. And I, you know, you just got to, Trade carefully. I think my mom and I were very fortunate and I always at the end knew to listen to her. <laughs> and that kind of just at the end of the day, listen to your mother. That's a rule for, for life. Right. That's sweet. Listen to your mother. Exactly. <laughs> I really like that. Okay. Tell me about the soups, the flavors, what we might dip our spoon into. Yeah, so in the winter, we do a lot of warming, thicker, heartier soups like soul warming chili, Thai style chickpea butternut squash, um, Mediterranean or harvest lentil butternut squash, um, Creole rice and bean, just, you know, like these thick filling soups and stews. And in the summer, we do lighter. I, I heat, I have hot soup all year long. I think it's weird when people say they don't want to have their soup to have hot soup because you don't go out to dinner and say waiter i want my pizza brought to me cold right so i don't, I don't <laughs> get that but we do lighter you know soups tomato basil and, and and soups like that and then we do have this growing gazpacho program that has like a cult following our gazpachos <laughs> are they're in bottles and they just you shake and drink and it's you know several servings of of vegetables in a bottle just addictive so healthy, so delicious, so refreshing. Huh. I like that you have a growing gazpacho program. There's a mm -hmm. ring to that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, we do. And it's just, it just really is taking taking off every year, mm. it grows bigger and bigger. I'm gonna have to get some of that from my mom. My mom doesn't cook anymore. I buy her all her food and I'm always looking for things that are healthy and easy. And the idea of just opening a bottle and drinking it should be a nice, tasty alternative to V8. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it is a nice, tasty alternative to that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's not a lot of them out there. So that's good to know. So you change. You don't always make the same soups all year Correct. long. Correct. Yeah, we don't mm. want to do a pumpkin soup in in july why why would we do that and we we don't want to do a, a hearty chili in july and we don't want to do tomato basil soup in, in january well i hope that you become a giant company and very successful in your soups thank you i appreciate that's, that that's my wish at the same time i know here in the united states of america we want whatever we want whenever we want it but I also think it's important to teach people to eat seasonally mm -hmm. and to not have everything we want on a whim 
and to be able to look forward to the season when certain foods are in abundance and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So just keep that in mind as you become super giant to, to keep We're it seasonable. Very cognizant <laughs> of that. You know, our watermelon gazpacho is only available two months of the year um, because, and I, I actually am a watermelon. I'm, I, I I, I, I am a watermelon aficionado. 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 I, I only get it from one local farm. And I, and I, I mean, I have, I eat a lot of watermelon when it's, but only when it's in season and only from this farm when it comes in, in July through, mm. you know, September, early September, the minute it cools down. Right. And I'm like, you know, wearing a, a hoodie. I'm not interested anymore. And they're done. The harvest is done, but I don't want it right. anymore. And then I wait all year and it gets really hard in June, at the end of June, because I am craving it so badly. And the farmer is like, you need to be patient because they know, <laughs> they know about me. I'm very close with them. Well, the, the thing about watermelon and melons in general is when it's time to harvest them, it's like the hottest time of the year when we really need to hydrate. So mm -hmm. nature knew what it was doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So does your favorite watermelon have seeds or not? It does not. Yeah. That's okay. I just wondered where have all the seeds gone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get a kick out of the seeds, but I consume so much watermelon. I just need to just keep shoveling. It yeah. In. <laughs> yeah. I'm just concerned about seeds in general, but I'm concerned about a lot of things. There's we'll a lot to be concerned about. Yeah, I know. Good. So it sounds like we can get your soup from your website and from a variety of stores, but just on the East Coast. Uh, all the way down into the South now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very nice. Anything else you want to share with us about soup or anything else? I think you've, you've covered the, the topics. I just, you know, I just asked everyone you know, the more people that we can get paying attention to the source of their food, to the story of their food, the more we can get people to really put thought behind their food choices. I truly believe that we can move forward um, as a society and, and maybe kind of turn things in a more positive way. And so the more podcasts there are, the more stories there are, the more articles there are, you know, mm -hmm. the better life can be for everyone. What's your mom's name? Marilyn. Marilyn. All right. So I just want to thank these two action figures who have put <laughs> what's important to them into action. And we all need to act if we want to make a difference. So here is one wonderful example, Sarah Poland and her mom, Marilyn, these superheroes, supergirl, supermom, making super soup we're trying yeah you're succeeding all right thank you sarah for joining me on it's all about food thank have you have a super day <laughs> you too exactly <laughs> all right be well you too that was sarah Poland, everybody Supergirl. if you're interested in convenient ways to get some good soup i recommend going to her website and seeing what the Supergirl 
has to offer. The website is thesupergirl.com. Real food, ready to eat, in your fridge. Rejoice! Okay, let's talk about how you are keeping cool. Well, I can tell you how I'm keeping cool. And I can't say that I'm exactly keeping cool, but I am managing a lot of the things I do. I'm sure you've heard about on various websites or news programs. But when it's really hot, I keep the lights off and I keep the shades drawn during the day. We have very dark curtains. They're like blackout curtains, not quite, but almost. And they keep a lot of the heat out. Now, this gives a very interesting atmosphere inside, but there's something, what can I say? There's something special about it, too. Uh, I'm someone who likes the seasons. I like the changes, and I do different things in different kinds of weather. And when it gets really, really hot, this is what I do. I close the curtains. The windows are open. The lights are off unless I really need to see something. But you can pretty much see during the day without lights on. It's just darker and it gives a whole different vibe. I also feel like it's an opportunity to detox because there's a lot more sweating going on. And sweating is a good thing. Now, some of us like to sweat when we exercise, and maybe some of us don't sweat enough, but when it gets really hot, it's really hard to avoid sweating. So there's a cycle going on, just like there's a cycle with the air conditioner that I mentioned earlier in the program. When we sweat, we lose water, so we absolutely need to hydrate more. So I drink a lot more water. And I'm not a big fan of ice and really cold water, but sometimes when it's really hot, that feels really good. Now, there is a benefit in hot weather to having long hair. That is, I like to keep my hair wet, and then I kind of tie it up, and it continues to cool me as the water evaporates. And then when my hair is dry, I go through the cycle again. I'll take a shallow, cool bath. I don't want to waste too much water. I'm always thinking about everything. There's so many compromises we have to make, right? But I'll take a shallow bath of cool water, just refresh myself, wet my hair, and go on with the day until it's unbearable again. And in the evenings, too, when I go to sleep, I'll do the same thing. I'll wet my hair and sleep with a towel on my pillow and I'll have to get up maybe two more times during the evening during the night to cool off again wet my hair and maybe sometimes I'll jump in the shower or a shallow bath just to cool down again it's a process I don't want to say that it's romantic but it's it's just part of living on this planet and even before we were talking about climate catastrophes, I remember when I was young, we didn't have an air conditioner in the house. In the summers, there were a few nights that were really unbearable hot, and we dealt. I know some people like to soak their sheets in water. 
and then put the wet sheets on their bed to stay cool. I don't know that I like that. I don't like the idea of my bed being damp. <laughs> Makes me think of some other things that are unpleasant. I don't know that I would encourage that. But if you like it, that's cool. If it is cool, if it keeps you cool. I especially love here in New York City that in a lot of the parks, there are these sprinklers that are there especially for these hot summer days and they run them on the hot days so kids can just run under them and cool off. I don't know. There's something kind of charming about that. Now, one thing I love about this really hot weather, it's the best time to make ice dreams or whatever you like to call them, frozen desserts. Not quite ice cream, but a soft serve made from frozen bananas, other frozen fruit. And we have a bunch of recipes at responsibleeatingandliving.com. Some of my favorites, I think I'll post them on this page for you. One of my favorites is fresh oranges with cashews and a little vanilla. And it tastes like a creamsicle. Who remembers good humor ice cream pops? There was one called the creamsicle. And this recipe just thrills me because it's so yummy. Orange with a little vanilla and that creaminess of the cashews. It's, it requires a little preparation where you have to get a few oranges and peel them first and then freeze them. And once they're frozen, then you can blend them up with the cashews and a little vanilla and a little plant milk. Boom. Really quite yummy. And then any of your favorite berries. I've, I've made blueberry ice dreams. You have to be careful, though, because these treats will give you a purple tongue. It's, but it's always the same theme. A plant milk. I like to use raw cashews. You can use bananas or not. With the frozen berries, like blueberries or strawberries. Sometimes with the strawberries, I like to add a little cocoa powder, make it like a chocolate strawberry. There's so many different options and they're all fun and yummy. Now, of course, it helps to have a high-powered blender, but you could do it with a regular blender. You might have to make, make it more like a thick shake rather than a soft serve just to get the blender moving. And here's an idea. If you're too hot for dinner, but you want to make something that's a little that you feel is a little nourishing. I created a recipe a while ago called Popeye Sweet Sensation. And it's so good. It's made with frozen spinach, frozen blueberries, some unsweetened plant milk, a little cocoa powder, and ice cubes. And nobody knows there's spinach in this. It's just cool and sweet and it it can be a great light dinner. In fact, I think I need to try this tomorrow. I haven't had it in a while. So maybe you want to try that. And while we're hydrating, because it's so important to hydrate, maybe water doesn't do it for you. Maybe you need something else. Well, just like hot soups that can be served cold, most hot drinks can be served cold too. So we really like Ticino which is a grain beverage that tastes a lot like coffee. And I'll brew some of that and then let it come to room temperature. 
and serve it over ice. And it's like my iced coffee, only it's iced tea chino. And it's yummy. I also like to drink matcha. And in this weather, iced matcha is awesome. I also like to take melons, either honeydew or cantaloupe or watermelon, and blend them up. And you can make ice cubes out of them. You can blend them with sparkling water. You can drink it like a smoothie or add more water to it. And it's really good, really refreshing and colorful. It's like a party drink. You know, you can serve a blended cantaloupe drink or a blended honeydew and a blended watermelon. So you have a glass that's a nice red color, another glass, a nice orange color, another glass that's a nice light green color. And I love putting a little sprig of mint in them. It's really festive and so refreshing. And speaking of mint, if you have a, a minty soap or a minty shampoo, I like Dr. Bronner's uh, peppermint soap. That can actually be cooling too. And what about iced tea? Okay, not just iced tea but cold-pressed iced tea. This is the best way to make black tea, green tea, white tea, and somehow I always forget during the cooler months because I like my teas to be hot. But in the summer, I remember that if I take a glass jar and I put some tea in it, I could put it in the bottom and just pour water in it cover it and put it in the in the refrigerator. Boom. In a few hours, I have a wonderful cold pressed tea and you pour it through a strainer and you drink it. Now, one of the things I like to do is I have these strainer cups that fit right inside some of our glass jars. So I'll put the strainer cup in the jar. I'll put the tea in the strainer cup and pour the water on top of it and then cover it. And then when it's time to drink it, I just take the strainer cup out because it has the tea in it and the tea is all ready to go. Either way, it works. And the wonderful thing about it is, well, there are a lot of wonderful things, I think. One is that the tea is more nutritious because apparently cold brewed tea has even more of what black and green and white teas have to offer. More antioxidants, more good stuff. The other thing is, just like that air conditioning concept I brought up at the beginning of the show where we're using it because it's hot and we're cooling the air, but we're putting more hot air outside. When you want to make an iced tea, most people boil the water, make it hot, use energy, and then cool it down in the refrigerator with energy to cool it down, or maybe cool it down with a lot of ice cubes, ice cubes that have been cooled in the, in the freezer with energy. Well, this way, with a cold brewed tea, you don't need to heat it up. You don't need to use that energy. In fact, you don't even have to put it in the refrigerator. You can just take the jar with the tea and leave it out on the counter and let it brew. And it just takes a few hours. And you could have a tea at ambient temperature. And then you could add ice cubes or you could keep it cool, whatever you want. <laughs> but I'm just suggesting cold brewed tea. And I find 
that the tea is less bitter. So I try to buy quality organic loose leaf teas and I find that they are naturally less bitter. Some people don't like green tea or, or even black tea because it tends to be bitter. And the, the less expensive teas are more bitter. And if you brew them at a hotter temperature, they're more bitter. So when you cold press, you're going to reduce any bitterness. And some teas are actually very sweet, like the white teas. Mmm, so good. And these are some of the things I look forward to doing when it's really horribly hot. So I hope you stay cool and get through this heat wave. Maybe you're not in a place where there is a heat wave, or maybe the heat wave is coming to your town next. Whatever. I hope some of these tips have been helpful. I hope You've enjoyed hearing about the Supergirl. I like talking to her. And learning about how you can have hot soup, cold soup, hot tea, cold tea. It's your choice. Thanks for joining me, everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You've been listening to It's All About Food. You can find the recipes I mentioned and more at responsibleeatingandliving.com. Send your comments and questions to me at info at realmeals.org. Stay cool, everybody. Hydrate. Take care of yourselves. And have a delicious week. <laughs>